Good morning. Today is Thursday, August the 31st, and we're studying the Bible study guide for the third quarter of 2023. The Bible study guide for this quarter is called Ephesians, and today we continue to study lesson number 10. The reading for today is called The One Flesh Model of Marriage. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the blessings you give us every day and your love and your care and your protection and how you guide us step by step in our life. Lord, we ask you this morning to please be with us as we study this Bible study guide. Send us the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we begin today's reading with a question. Study the creation narrative of Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 25. What happens in this story before the statement concerning a husband and wife being one flesh, which is found in verse 24? So let's read it. Genesis 2, 15 through 25. The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you, that in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for th that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave name to, names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But, the, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs of, of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that, got, that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This at last is bones of my bones. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. So, what happens in the story before the statement concerning a husband and wife being one flesh? So, right before verse 24, which is where it says that... Um, they shall become one flesh. What has happened in the story is that God created a woman out of Adam's rib. So he took uh, Eve out of Adam's side, the rib. That's where uh, God, what God used to create woman. So he just created woman. And then the command was husband and wife are to be one flesh. A key to applying Paul's counsel to wives and husbands is to see his citation of Genesis 2.24 as the culmination of it. As he meditates on the creation story of Genesis, Paul considers the needs of Christian congregations and the health of family relationships within them. He hears in Genesis 2.24 a message that echoes down through time. By divine design, marriage is intended to be a one-flesh relationship. The sexual unity mirrored in emotional and spiritual unity, and emotional and spiritual unity bringing meaning to the sexual relationship. Note 
that in choosing Genesis 2.24, Paul selects a statement about marriage made before the fall and applies it to the relationship between Christian husbands and wives. In our distinctly post-fall world, rampant exploitation of sexual relationships between a man and a woman reveals how deeply entrenched in modern culture is the idea that the sexual union represents a subjugation of the woman. Paul argues that the sexual relationship, as reflected in Genesis, is not one of subjugation but of union. It does not symbolize or actualize the dominance of the male, but the union of the husband and wife, so much so that they are one flesh. We may look to both Ephesians 5, 21-33 and Genesis 2:24, then for an important countercultural and corrective theology of marriage and sexuality. In the same context, Paul, in the next verse, talks about a profound mystery. This includes both sides of the double metaphor Paul has been discussing. Christian marriage understood in the light of Christ's relationship with his church, and Christ's relationship with his church understood in the light of Christian marriage. Christian marriage is elevated by comparing it to the relationship between Christ and the church. In addition, by thinking of the church's relationship to Christ through the lens of caring, Christian marriage, believers gain new clarity about their shared relationship to Christ. And now we are at the end of the reading for today, and we have a couple of questions. In what ways does Ephesians 5:33 serve as a concise summary of Paul's counsel in Ephesians 5:22 through 31? Through 32, if married, how can you seek to more fully implement these principles in your marriage? So let's take a look. Ephesians 5:33. However, each, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So this is a summary of the the advice that Paul gives in Ephesians 5:22 through 32. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Now, I'm sorry, as Christ is the head of the church, his body is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of the body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So the question is, if married, how can you seek to more fully implement these principles into your marriage? So we see how uh, verse 33 is basically a summary of what we just finished reading. Uh, there, there's two commands. There's a command to the husband to love his wife, the command to the wife to surrender to or to submit or uh, respect 
her husband. So, if married, how can you seek more fully to implement these principles in your marriage? I'll tell you how not we can do that. How What we should not be doing. And that is we should not try to make the other spouse obey the commands that God gave to that spouse. In other words, if you're the husband, don't try to make your wife submit to you. And if you're the wife, don't try to make your husband love you. The command is to each of us. There's a command for the husband. That command for the husband is to love his wife the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church, surrendered to the church, uh, gave his life for the church. That's the love that husbands are supposed to have towards their wives. That's a command to the husband. It's not a command to the wife to make sure that her husband loves her. That's a command to the husband. And in the same way, there's a command for the wife, submit to your husband. That command is to the wife. It's not to the husband. It's not the husband's responsibility to make sure that his wife submits to him. That's not his responsibility. His responsibility is to love his wife. And the wife's responsibility is to submit to her husband, to respect her husband. Those are two different commands given to each and it's not supposed to get mixed up. They're not supposed to cross. They're independent commands. The command to the husband is clear. Love your wife. The command to the wife is clear. Sur submit to your husband. That's what we are supposed to do. And not try to force the other one to do the thing that God is asking them to do. That's between them and God. So husbands, it's between your wife and God if she follows God's command. And wives, it's between your husband and God if he follows God's command. I think that the most that we should do as husbands or as wives, if our wife or husband is not following God's command, uh, maybe the way we think they should be doing is just do our part, love her or submit to him and pray for him, pray for her. That's what we should be doing. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask you to help us, those of us who are married, to have good marriages, to have healthy marriages, to have marriages where each of us is following the command that you have given us, where us husbands are loving our wives to the fullest. We are lifting her up and we are loving her uh, like Christ loved the church. And the wives, they are uh, sur uh, submitting to the husband, respecting the husband, and they're doing that. Help us not to interfere with the command that God has given to our spouse. Um, we ask you, Lord, to help us be faithful in what you've asked us to do. Help us to surrender, first of all, to you and surrender and submit to your will. We ask you to please be with us the rest of this day. Take care of us, protect us, keep us safe in all that we do. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. I encourage you to join us again tomorrow. Tomorrow is the last day of Lesson 10. Join us tomorrow and we will continue or we will finish studying Lesson number 10. Thank you. 
and God bless you.